can't meet anyone. You know, we're, we're in different places all the time and I cannot focus on the next meeting. I have to focus on the meeting that we're in. Because wherever we're at, that gets my 100% attention. The Holy Ghost has my 100% attention. And so we finished up yesterday and uh, in North Carolina and then we came on up here last night. And so as I was, I had just dropped Jesse off at his plane and I'm on my way back and and I hear the word of the Lord say, the bread's return. And I was thinking, Lord, what are you talking about? The bread's return. And he said, I want you to go to Ruth and I want you to read Ruth. Now, that is not a book that I spend a lot of time in. I ain't going to lie to you. I just don't spend a lot of time in Ruth. My wife's done Ruth. She talked series on Ruth and Naomi. Then she had a group called Ruth and Naomi. But me personally, I had not. And uh, matter of fact, I remember her and Debbie had this group called the Ruth and Naomi group. And they would meet, I think, on Monday nights or Sunday nights or something like that with the women of the church. And, and the Lord said this, he says, the bread has returned. And I said, Lord, he says, so go to Ruth. So I want you to, with me tonight. I want you to turn to the book of Ruth. It's where probably some of your pages are real stuck together and, just prime apart. And uh, mine weren't quite stuck together, but they weren't close from being stuck together. And uh, and so I just read the whole book of Ruth, but the chapters one and two, I'm going to get as far as I can, and, and I'm not sure if I'll pick this up tomorrow morning or not. We'll see what the Holy Ghost does. But, you know, the book of Ruth is really, it's a love letter. And... Um, the glory of the Lord is in this place. And I'm having a hard time. My flesh just wants to go off into another realm, another dimension. My spirit man is leaping. And so I begin to read Ruth and I, you know what? The best way I can do this is just to read it to you and we'll go where the Holy Ghost tells us to go. So in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 it says this, and it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine, everybody say famine, in the land. And a certain man, now watch this, a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Now when I saw that, it, I had to go in and research it, Pastor Charlie. I had to go and I said, okay, this has got to be something here because it's called Bethlehem, Judah. And so I began to research it. It is actually Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And so when I begin to research this, things begin to make sense to me because the word Bethlehem means bread. The city of bread. And so when I begin to read this, and it says here that in a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah went to sojourn. That word sojourn means intended to come back. Then as I was praying and meditating, it's because I've already read everything, so I don't have time to read everything to you. I want to set the, the moment for you because you have to understand. Amalek was in Bethlehem and Judah at the time. And his, root, and his wife, Naomi, was there with their two sons. And in their two sons, famine had hit the land. 
Now, as I begin to research this and I begin to go into Hebrew and, and just really dive into this and begin to research this, in this land of famine at this time period that this was happening, people were literally dying on the streets. Children were weeping and crying because their bellies were hungry. There was no bread. You understand, this was the city that was known for great harvest, wheat harvesting, and great harvest. Matter of fact, the whole region depended on this one place. But yet great famine had hit this place. And so all this was happening at this time. And, and I'm beginning, and I'm, you know, and I'm communicating with the Lord because I said, Lord, what, what does this got to do? He said, the, the, the world has come, has been in a famine for the last three years. And I said, Lord, I need more. And he said, the last three years, the church has been in famine. And then. They have changed the way they do church. They have changed the way they worship me. And they have changed the way they praise me. To the point where the gospel has become watered down. Because they're so concerned about offending somebody. Nobody wants to talk about sin no more. Nobody wants to talk about Moab no more. But Moab has reached into the church. And has come into the churches. Because the church has chosen in the last three years to leave Bethlehem, Judah, and to go to Moab. Now you have to understand, Moab is a city of sin. Moab comes out of the relationship between Lot when he left Sodom and Gomorrah and his daughter. And... And they had a son. And so their son created all these generations. And it created the city of Moab. And the Lord told Israelites, stay away from Moab. Do not go to Moab. Do not marry nobody from Moab. Do not converse with nobody from Moab. Because they are nothing but sin. But we as a body of Christ... In the last three years, many churches have closed the doors. And many churches have decided not to go with the Pentecostal of Jesus Christ. And the move of the Holy Ghost. And no more tongues in the church. If you want to speak in tongues, you ain't got a little room for you. Organizations that used to be known for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the move of the Holy Ghost have turned and said, we do not want that in our churches anymore because we don't want to offend somebody. Well, I'm here to tell you, if the Holy Ghost offends you, then you need to get saved. Yeah. Folks don't want to talk about sin. They want they, It's all good when the joy of the Lord is our strength. And praise God for the Holy Ghost. And, and God is good all the time. I got news for you. He is not good all the time if you're living in sin. If you've gone away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're living a worldly life and trying to be like Jesus. So the Lord began, I began to research and begin to study this. And he said, and he told, he said, stay away from sin is what he was saying. He said, you're not designed. Oh, come on, somebody. You understand, as a born again child of the living God, you are not designed or created to pertain with sin or connect yourself with any type of sin. Oh, it'll get better, I promise you. 
Because God's going to release a love in this place. And the glory of the Lord is going to hit this place. And I believe there's going to be a time of refreshing. And there's going to be a time of repentance. And we're going to get it right. So that we can go on and accomplish and do what God has called us to do. And we can be who God has created us to be. My heart hurts because I'm hearing all these stories and because we, you know, we, we cross all barriers and we go into all different denominations. We're in the church of God. We're in the assembly of God. We're, you know, we're in the church of God in Christ, which is called coaching. We go to those, you know, everywhere. But I've seen, I have seen these organizations, these religious organizations that no longer have the true identity of Jesus Christ. And the body of Christ has lost their identity. But I'm here to tell you that the bread is returning. I said the wheat is returning. Things are about to change because there is a hunger. There is a spark. And where there's a spark, there's a flame. And there are people that are rising up and saying, enough's enough. I'm going to be who God has called me to be. And I will do what God has called me to do. I will praise in the Holy Ghost. I will shout in the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody shout glory. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And all of a sudden, all this stench and all this death that's around Amalek, he just chooses and he decides that he cannot deal with what is going on in the city of bread. If you study your Bibles, if you know anything, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I know Pastor uh, Brother Kipe knows. There's 13 famines in the in the in the in the scriptures. 13. Some were short, some were medium, and some were long. But one thing they all had in common: they ended. Did you hear what I just said? And some of you here tonight, and, and you have come far. Why? Because I know that my partner, some have come from Michigan, and some have come from Northern Virginia, and they come from Carolina, and they come, you know, from Kentucky, and they come from all different places, and, and Florida, and, and I mean, they come from all over, and everybody has a story. But I'm here to tell you, you may have been experiencing famine in your church, or famine in your home, or famine in your finances, or famine in your life, or famine in your body, but I'm here to tell you that the famine, is time for the famine to end, because Jesus said, the bread is returning to the bread they have and the church. Man, if I can get three people to shout glory! And so Moab decides that he's going to make this decision to lose, to leave his birthright. You have to understand, your birthright is to fulfill the vision that God has given you. That's your birthright. And if you can't see your vision, then you need to get yourself in position so that the blinders can be taken off because my God cannot lie. Amen. 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 
He did not put the vision in you and a promise in you for it not to come to pass. But the devil's come to you and he brought blindfolders and he may have created a famine. But I want you to know something tonight. The famine is over. The bread is returning to Bethlehem. God, oh Jesus, Jesus. So Moab, he packs his family up, but you understand his intention, his intentions are to come back. And I believe that there have been many people, many people in the body of Christ, their intentions were, well, I'm going to stay home and just watch it. I'm going to, you know, I just can't go right now. I don't feel comfortable going around with all this stuff going on. So I'm going to stay home. So what they have been telling me, what this means to me is that you think there's more Jesus and more glory, more Holy Ghost in your house than the house of God. Then you'll say, I'm not preaching to you because you're here. And I've been telling you this so you can tell somebody else. <laughs> but Moab had all intentions, like a lot of people did, had intentions. Well, I'm just going to stay away for a little bit, you know, until this blows over. You know, nobody had any idea that it was going to last as long as it did. And so when they got away, then all of a sudden the flesh took over. There was a voice of familiarity that came to them and says, it's better for you to stay and be and healthy. And it's amazing to me because people, they didn't go to church, they go to Walmart. I see them at Cracker Barrels. I see them at the Golden Corrals. Uh, come on, it's okay. Well, you know, we get to wear a mask. Nobody says you couldn't wear no mask coming to church. I don't care how you got there. You should have got there. Well, you know, I just think that's just wrong. And I don't think they got my best, you know, heart and, you know, their best intentions at my heart. And, you know, because of everything's going on, I don't think they should be, you know, opening the doors right now. That ain't nothing but the devil talking. That's your flesh talking. That's Moab. That's the voice of Moab. I said, that's the voice of Moab. And all of a sudden, Moab packs up Naomi and packs up his two sons. And they head to Moab with all the intentions. I'm just going to go there until the famine is over. And so they go. And, and the next thing you know, it's 10 years. And all of a sudden, now the two sons have married. <clears throat> One son marries Oprah. Not Oprah. <laughs> One son marries Oprah, and then another son marries Ruth. Oprah means stiff neck. Can you imagine? Well, my son's coming over with his wife, stick net, stiff neck. Come on. Huh? We know. Come on. <laughs> huh? 
But then the other one marries Ruth. And so because Amalek, now Amalek, leaves Bethlehem, Judah, and goes to Moab, it cost him his life. Because you see, he thought he was running from sickness. He thought he was running from disease. But all along he was running to it. Because Moab is a city of sin. Where there's sin, there's sickness. Where there's sin, there's disease. Where there's sin, there's hurt. Where there's sin, there's pain. Where there's sin, there's sorrow. But Moab, I mean, Amalek leaves and goes there. And the next thing you know, it just see your decision to leave the perfect will of God just doesn't affect you. Your decision to leave the will of God and to get into sin or play with sin or dabble with sin. And I'm not saying you don't love God, but there are a whole lot of people that they say they love God and yet they're still living and dealing and dabbling in sin. And then they can't figure out why they, not things aren't going right. And they can't figure out why their life's going the way it is because you, there's sin in the camp. And the last time I checked, when Joshua had sin in the camp, it cost him generations. So Moab, I mean, Emelech's decision to go to Moab just didn't affect him, but his two sons died way before their time. Matter of fact, they died quick enough that they didn't even have any kids. The sins of the father huh, attached themselves to the sons. And so when the father had and went through and died, the sons followed suit because of one man's decision. There's three things. They're describing what Amalek was dealing with. Number one, there's three flaws. The first flaw is, is that Amalek had no faith. He knew God because they practiced. They practiced praising God. See, you understand in Bethlehem, Judah, not only were they a city known for their harvest and for their bread, they were also known for their city of praise. But when famine came, they didn't just lose the bread, they lost the praise. And the Holy Spirit said this to me just as clear. But small, I mean, just as clear as I'm talking to you. He said if they may have lost the bread and famine may have come. He said, but if they would have kept praising, it would have shortened. See, you understand this is the trick of the enemy all along. Because it's not just about you not having anything or you in lack. The enemy's trying to get you to shut your mouth and not praise the Lord. Because if he can shut your mouth from praising the Lord, then the family will last longer. And it won't just affect you, but affect your children and your children's children. But I got some good news tonight. The famine. I said the famine is over. Three flaws. Number one, he had no faith. 
He based his decision to leave by his five senses. He didn't pray about leaving. He didn't have a conversation with the Holy Ghost. He didn't have a conversation with the Lord. He just allowed his five senses to make this decision. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you allow your five senses to make a decision, you'll always make the wrong decision. And if you make the wrong decision, it will put you in a place of Moab. Yes. I got some good news coming. Get ready. And so he based his decision on the five senses that would tell him he was not living by faith but by flesh. Because he could smell. He could smell, which is one of the senses, he could smell the stench and the decay of flesh. He could hear the cries of the little ones. Mommy, I'm hungry. And then he was moved by his sight, by what he saw. Because what he saw created a decision in him because he was moved by his five senses that yesterday's famine will be today's famine and today's famine will be tomorrow's famine. That's what the senses do. The senses will tell you all oh, that pain that you're dealing with, that bad report you got from the doctor, the senses will try to take over and they'll try to tell you, oh, this is where you've been dealing with and this is what you're going to continue to deal with today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to still deal with the same thing. That's moving by your senses. But my God, thank God that we're people of faith, that we're not moved by, come on, we're moved by faith and not by sight. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thanks be unto God. I said thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph over every situation because my God I said my God is my God and early will I see thee why because my soul thirsts for thee in this land of famine but I got news for you the famine is over oh glory we are people of faith the faith the just shall live by faith we walk by faith and not by sight. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It is spiritually illegal to leave the place of bread and to go to Moab. It is spiritually illegal. We got to get it right. Listen, if we're going to see the glory, if everything that we've been hearing, if we read your Bible and the book of Revelation and everything, all the prophets and all the prophetic word that's been given, the Lord said this to me not too long ago. He said, every, uh, Brother G, he said, every prophetic word that has been given since the book of Genesis, he said, I'm going to release it again. You think that in these last days that, God, that God's just going to let the devil have its way and, and just run rampant and have chaos here and chaos there? God said, no, 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 no. He said, I'm in the middle of all this, in the middle of all chaos. Everything that has stuck from the beginning, from the Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, every word that I, he said, because I'm not a one-word God, I'm not a one-time God, I'm not a one-event God. He said, that which I have released was never to die, but to begin again and again and again and again. If I can get three people to shout glory. Oh my God, my God. The worst thing you can do when famine comes to your home or to your church 
and things are not going the way you think they should go, is start living by your feelings and not living by faith. That's the worst thing you're going to do. It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm not saved by how I feel. I'm saved by what I know. And this is that that I know. That my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. I know that I've been blood bought and blood washed and blood redeemed. I know that my deliverer, I said I know that my deliverer lives big inside of me. And I know that about every place my feet tread is my territory because I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. That's what I know. And because I know that, I am redeemed. The bread's coming back. The bread's coming back. Oh! Mm. Hallelujah. Number two, the second flaw is that he had no patience. When times and tests and trials come, we get impatient. But my Bible says, they that waiteth upon the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Huh? I got a dear friend of mine here, pastor friend of mine. They pastor in Michigan, in Southgate, Michigan. And they're here. They came all the way down to be at this meeting. But what you don't know, a couple of years ago, he had to leave the meeting early because his body was in such pain and he got diagnosed with cancer. And went through and his body began to break down. And he began to go through such a test and a trial. But I want you to know something. He did not leave Bethlehem. He didn't begin to cry, God, I don't understand this. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor. I'm a Rhema grad. And I've got a, a blessed church. And I, I know the word. And I've taught the word. I've written books after books after books. And, and all, I know who I am in Christ. So he didn't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. You know what he did? He wrote a book on healing in the middle of his test and trial. In the middle. I guess he figured if Paul could do it while he was in prison at the fourth layer when all this junk was coming on him and all this mess and feces was all the way up past his knees and he began to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament, something must be big on the inside of him and it's called the Spirit of God. Matter of fact, we have that book on our table. Phenomenal book on healing. You understand he ain't writing just something that he's heard about. He wrote this in the middle. He has proof. You understand this is a book that he has proof on. Because I want you to know something. Just a few months ago. As a matter of fact, six, seven months ago. He rang the bell. He walked down the hallway. And if you know anything about a cancer setup. He went down the hallway. There's a bell. And anybody that rings the bell means they're cancer free. <laughs> Jesus, my Jesus. So he had no patience. He told his family, pack up their bags. There's famine in the land. He said, we can't stay here. 
we got to go. Because I cannot stand the smell. I can't put up with what I'm seeing. I can't deal with what I'm hearing. And I'm concerned about what I touch. Man, does that sound familiar? We came through an era where families wouldn't even hug each other. Wouldn't go see them. The nurses' home people died by the thousands, not because of COVID, but because of loneliness and brokenheartedness. COVID didn't kill them. They couldn't see their family. They had no hope. When you take your DNA out of the equation, there's no hope. But thank God we had a blood transfusion. And the DNA that we have flowing through our veins. He said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. You don't have to worry about being lonely no more because of Jesus Christ. He packed up and left and got his family and left. But I want you to know something. Sorrow endured for a night. I'm telling you, when the Lord said this to me, the bread's returning. Go back with me, the roots, real quick. Go back with me, go back with me. Oh, Father. In verse 30, it says this, And Amalek's name was died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took their wives and the woman of Moab, and the one name was Opah, and the other name was Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And I told you, Opah means stiff neck. But Ruth, you understand, because God's a God of restoration. In the middle of famine, even though you may make a mistake, God always makes a way to come back. And there was this woman who was a Moab, that her destiny was, was set in stone, that she was going to live a sinful life the rest of her life. That she was going to have to put up with all this stuff for the rest of her life. That there was no hope. There was no patience. There was no love. There was nothing. And that was her destiny. But God, in the middle of all that, there was somebody that chose to stay the course. And her name was Naomi. Because she heard. She heard that bread had come back. Naomi, after she buried her last son, after the funeral was over, a word came to her. I'm here to tell you that the Lord is sending us a word tonight. And the word is that bread has returned to Bethlehem. And so she told her two daughters, and she said, look, I'm releasing you because their culture was that they had a choice to marry 
a son, another son, but there were no sons to marry. And so Naomi gave him a way out, and because Orpah, she kissed her on the cheek, and she said, I've got to go back to see her. Because she was moved by her five senses because there was no faith and there was no patience. And in number three, his third flaw was there was no hope. She could not get past her five senses. And, and, the, and the enemy would say, you don't belong in Bethlehem. You don't belong where there's an abundance. You don't belong because you have been destined for lack. You have been destined for sickness. You have been destined for disease. But thank God, Ruth said, I'm going with you. I'm going to change my destiny. I'm here to tell you, you may have done what they said you've done. You may have did what they said you did, but that is not who you are anymore. Ruth may have come out and born into sin, and she may have grew up in sin. But God sent somebody in the middle of a famine, in the middle of everything that was going on, and sent a man, a woman named Naomi. And she said, I am going with you. You can't push me away. You know what one of the most amazing things is, Brother Keith? Even the most amazing thing is that when Naomi showed up, she wanted to change her name. She didn't want to be called Naomi, a woman, the woman of virtue and a woman of, of pleasure and a woman of goodness. She said, I, I, I left and I went into sin and I'm not. And they said, that is not who you are. Welcome home. For this day, we will never call you but Naomi. Because that's your name. That's what, who God has given the name God has given you and that's who you are. You are not a Moab. You are a Judah. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care what you've gone through, what you've done in your life. I'm here to tell you, you may have raised yourself up in Moab, but I'm here to tell you, Bethlehem is here to welcome you home. For bread has come back and the famine is over. Oh, come on, somebody. It's over. The reason why the homosexuals don't want to go to church, why the drug addicts don't want to go to church, why the prostitutes don't want to go to church, it's because they don't want to be judged. Because they're so concerned about people focusing on their Moab. Instead of focusing on who their true identity is. You understand, I don't care what you've done. I don't care, you may have killed somebody. It don't matter. 
Because you are not a creation of the devil. You are a creation of God. God breathed life into you. The moment you were brought out of your mother's womb, God breathed life into you. And you have been God-given. And you have God rights. And if you'll just leave your Moab. I said if you'll just come out of Moab. God said I will restore. And I'll break bread back to you. Because now your famine is over. Forgive us, Lord, for ever being judgmental. There's been so much teaching over the last several years on grace and good teaching on grace and bad teaching on grace. And the bad teaching on grace is that you can have live a life of sin and yet still be saved. That's stupid thinking. That's stinking thinking. cannot live in Bethlehem and Moab at the same time. Matter of fact, Boaz, after they got back and she went into the fields just to pick up the leftovers and Boaz noticed her and the first thing he told her, he said, you got to stay in my field. If you don't stay, you can't be in my field in somebody else's field. You did, You have to stay in my field. If you want to reap what I'm about to give you, then you got to stay in my field. Let me tell you something. You better stay where God's called you to stay, where he's put you at. Because if you try to go to somebody else's field that you don't belong, it will not work. And you will miss out on the supernatural blessings. got to get it right. Preachers across the country are trying to live in Moab and Bethlehem at the same time. Music ministers. I'll never forget. I heard this story several years ago. Shamrock went to this church. And they were doing praise and worship. The praise and worship leader came out. You know, Shambach, I mean, he could read. And he leaned over to the pastor. And he didn't know that his mic was on. I can't, it, I will not repeat what he said to be politically correct because we're on live. But he said, why do you have that? Trying to lead us into the glory when he wouldn't know the glory if it slapped him upside the head. Because you cannot live in the glory and live in Moab at the same time. Musicians, you listen to me very closely. You are a target. Because of David and the gifting of David, you have the spirit of David, you are a target. And the enemy will do everything he can to change your focus and to bring sin into your life and it will sneak up on you. You better saturate yourself and you better cover yourself in the blood of Jesus and keep yourself out of Moab. I was sharing with a couple of my sons last night. And I told him last night the Lord began to deal with me in greater measure because when he was dropping this in my spirit, he said to live this life and to walk this life. 
He says, you got to go to another level of humility. Because pride will put you in Moab. He said, he says, as I bless you and I take you to these places, he says, you're going to have to go to another level of humility. He says, you cannot listen to people's accolades. You listen to my spirit. my prayer time this morning I begin to weep because see I know I'm nothing without him I know I'm nothing without the glory of God I know I'm nothing without the anointing I don't want to have I don't want to take one breath without the glory of God I don't want to take one breath without the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon my life I can't even imagine Thank God for everywhere he's taking us all over the world and where we're going and everything that he's doing. But I'll give it all up if it costs me one day of the glory. We were singing a list a few moments ago. We'll go back in that just a second. The glory of the Lord is here. But you have to understand why the glory is here. Because there are those here that are carrying the glory. And when you show up, you bring a supply. It ain't about one man. It ain't about one woman. It ain't about one musician. It ain't about one usher. One, come on. It's about us bringing what God has given us. And so that we can walk into the glory of God together. Jesus, forgive us. Matter of fact, everybody stand to your feet. If I go to the next, we'll be here a little while. I want you to lift your hands towards heaven because I we need we need the glory in our life. We need to not be moved by our five senses. But being moved by the glory of God and by the voice of God and the Holy Spirit.